God was clearly doing something very powerful and very significant during the worship time. And I wanna start off by asking you a question. What do you believe God was saying to you during that worship time? What do you believe that God was saying to you during that worship time? I want you just to pause for a moment, just 15, 20 seconds, and just think about what you believe God was saying to you. For me, it was that phrase, uh, Jesus Christ, my living hope. I've just been wrestling with something this week and, and I just felt God brought the, the clarity, the light, the power of his word as uh, Maddie sang that, that, that refrain, God, Jesus Christ, my living hope. He's not just my hope, he's my living hope. He steps into the situations and circumstances that we face. He, he, he walks with me and, and he, he speaks into, into my life. But what is it for you? What, what was God saying to you during this worship time? Or if, God, if you weren't sure, what is God saying to you in this season? What is God bringing to the forefront of, of your mind, of your thoughts? If, if you can, just take a moment to identify that. Keep it in the forefront of your mind as we go through today's sermon. Maybe jot it down on your smartphone or if you're taking notes in a journal. Uh, if, if you're here today and you're not comfortable with this idea of God speaking, that's, that's okay. Well, what I wanna ask you to do is to think about what you are thinking most about at, at this time? What is, in the, what is in the forefront of your mind? What, what is on your heart in this season? If you're not comfortable with the idea of God speaking, my prayer for you is that you would come to see, come to understand, come to, come to recognize that God speaks into circumstances and situations and things that we, we go through. Um, so, Take a moment and just jot down a phrase or a, or a word or just have it on the forefront of your mind as we, as we go through today's sermon. We're gonna be uh, uh, teaching out of Mark chapter four today um, just to kind of bring some introduction or some context to that. When I was a, a senior at, at high school, uh, the final uh, two 45-minute periods on a Tuesday afternoon was business economics. 90 minutes of business economics at the end of a Tuesday. And honestly, it was as brutal as it, as it sounds. Um, the, to the teacher's credit, what he did was he wanted us to engage with him. So it was essential that we learned how to listen well because he wanted us to engage with the material. He wanted us to engage with him. He wanted us to engage with one another. And, and he had to teach that way because an hour and a half on a Tuesday afternoon, as I say, at the end of a busy day, I mean, business economics can only be so engaging to a, to a certain degree. Uh, he, was, he was teaching us to, to listen well and to lean in. He was teaching us to listen well and to lean in. There was a day though, just as an aside, when I did neither. It was on a winter's afternoon and I used to sit right at the back of the classroom, right next to the window, and the winter sun was streaming in, and I stopped leaning into the lesson, and I found myself leaning into my folded arms on my desk, and I fell asleep. And I don't know how long I slept for, but the next thing I realized, I'm being literally picked up by my ear by the teacher and kind of swacked across the head, which was not inappropriate behavior by a teacher 35 years ago, or however old I've been, it's back in South Africa. <laughs> that, that's, that's not inappropriate behavior, but but I, I kind of was alerted to the fact that I had not been listening well and I certainly had not been leaning in. What I, what I, what I wanna show us today from the text that we're gonna look at is 
Jesus's desire for us to learn how to listen well and to lean in, not with a fear of being thwacked over the head. That's not Jesus's heart in any way, but, but as we learn to listen well, as we learn to lean into Jesus and to his word, we begin to discover how to live in the kingdom of God and how to live with the fruitfulness that the word of God promises. Maybe said another way, I, I think what we're gonna learn today is that responsiveness, this, this call for us to engage with Jesus and his word, this responsiveness is an appropriate posture for us to receive revelation so that we can live a fruitful life. And I'm sure every one of us here wants to live a life that is fruit bearing. We all want that. And I, and I wanna show us today that, that what Jesus calls for us to do is to listen well and to lean into his word. And we're gonna be uh, starting from verse one of Mark chapter four. So if you've got a Bible, follow along. If not, the text is gonna be on the screen behind me. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. I want you to try and imagine, try and picture the scene that is, that is happening. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching said, listen, there's that word. We don't have time to read the entire Mark, uh, Mark 4, the entire chapter, but this call for us to listen appears time and time again in Mark chapter four. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell uh, along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they, uh, and they withered because they had no root. Others, other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Verse nine, then Jesus said, and here it is again, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Now we need to pause there real quick, because verse 10, 11, and 12, for most of you, if you've been paying attention, probably causes a little bit of consternation. Because it appears like what Jesus is doing is he doesn't want those outside of his immediate follow, followers to understand the parables, but that's not the case. The Bible is very clear. Jesus himself is very clear. John chapter six tells us that Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. So that's not Jesus's heart to keep those who are listening in the dark. But Jesus, Jesus is acknowledging that there are some who are there who, although their eyes are open and their ears are open, they are not perceiving, they are not seeing what God is doing, they are not understanding yet. And that word is very important. Jesus recognizes that there are those who are following him who have not yet had their hearts open, but he knows what's in their hearts. And what he's doing is by teaching in parables, He's trying to draw out what he knows is in their heart. He's trying to encourage them to listen well 
and to lean into his word and into him. I, I love what Eugene Peterson, how he paraphrases this text uh, in Mark chapter four in the Message Bible. He says this, this is so good. When they were off by themselves, those who were close to him, close to Jesus, along with the 12, asked about the stories or the parables. And he told them, you have been given insight into God's kingdom, you know how it works. But to those who can't see it yet, Everything, in, everything comes in stories, listen to this, creating readiness, nudging them toward a welcoming awakening. So if you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, I wanna encourage you, don't harden your heart to the word of God. If you feel or you sense something of God's word beginning to draw you, I wanna encourage you, lean into God's word by, by going to the person that you came with today or, or coming to one of the leaders here at Anthem Church and, and engage with God's word by asking questions. And if you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus, which I assume is most of us here, that's the invitation for us too to think about what is God saying to us? What is Jesus saying to you right now? God, God is continually sowing seeds into our hearts and let us have the ears to hear what God is saying and lean into him so that we can begin to see fruitfulness break out into our hearts. Verse 13, then Jesus said to them, now he begins to explain the parable. Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and, and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no roots, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, verse 20, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. If you've been around for a while, you'll know that we are on a journey right now through Mark's gospel, a journey that we've entitled Step Into God's Story. And to step into God's story essentially means to say yes to Jesus's invitation to follow him. And last Sunday, Aidan did such an incredible job speaking so tenderly but passionately about what it looks like to follow Jesus. Just cast your eyes, if you, if you can, to Mark chapter three. He didn't speak explicitly from this text, but I think this captures so wonderfully what he was saying. Verse 13 of Mark three, Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted and they came to him and he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. What Aidan said so wonderfully last week is that we are not called to do something in the kingdom of God so much as we are called to be with someone, and that someone is Jesus. We are, we are called to before we are called to do. 
There's this wonderful calling of, of intimacy and mission, this, this, this privilege that we have to go with authority to share the good news comes as an overflow of relationship with Jesus. And so as I said, to step into God's story looks like saying yes to Jesus' invitation to follow him. If you've read the Psalms at all, if you've read, uh, if you read the Psalms from, from one to 150, 71 times you will come across the Hebrew word sailor. Now, sailor simply means silence or instrumental solo. So a modern context is something that happened on worship today. There was a moment when the worship team uh, uh, not so much a solo, but they played an instrumental piece because we were taking a moment to reflect on some of the words that we had sung. And so as you read the Psalms, the invitation by the word sailor in the middle of a Psalm is to stop and to take a breath and, and to look back on what you've read so that you can learn and, re and reflect on the character and nature of God before you carry on. I say all of that to say Mark chapter four is a sailor moment. Mark chapter four is a, is a moment for us to pause and to look back on the previous chapters that we've read and to reflect on what God, what Jesus is teaching us about the nature and character of God and specifically about the kingdom of God. We never did show and tell in South Africa. Uh, I didn't, we'd, I've got, had no context of it, so I've heard the phrase, so I chatted with Nathan and with Zeke on Friday, and I asked them what show and tell was, and Zeke explained to me that show and tell was bringing something that is very important to you to your class, and he used the example of a stuffed animal, and I hope he was referring to his second grade self rather than his current self, but, but he spoke about bringing a stuffed animal that was very near and dear to him and showing it to the class and then explaining what it was. Friends, Mark chapter one through four is a show and tell of the kingdom of God. In Mark chapter one, two, and three, Jesus shows us what the kingdom of God looks like. It looks like freedom and healing and closeness with God. It looks like forgiveness and acceptance and, and calling and community. Jesus has, has enacted what the kingdom of God looks like. Now in Mark chapter four, he wants to explain what it is. And so reading again from verse one. Now, I just wanna read from the message translation, verse one and two. Jesus went back to teaching by the sea. A crowd built up uh, built up to such a great size that he had to get in, uh, into an offshore boat using the boat as a pulpit as the people pushed to the water's edge. He taught by using stories or parables. He taught by using stories, many stories. Just to make sure we're all on the same page, just I wanna quickly explain what a parable is. A parable is, simp is a simple story using examples from everyday life, known things and natural things to explain a bigger, more significant, deeper spiritual truth. And so in Mark chapter four, what Jesus is doing is he's talking about farmer and seeds and pathways and birds and soil and thorns and a harvest. And we're gonna see what those mean in, in a few moments. For most of us and probably for all of us here, 
sitting in this room in downtown Chicago, we'd probably need to drive an hour before we see a farmer or maybe even experience soil or understand what a seed is. But these were common things to the hearers of the day. But before we get into the kind of the, the nitty gritty, before we get into the soil of this text, I just wanna ask and answer an important question. Why did Jesus teach in parables? Now, there are many reasons, but I just wanna mention a few real quickly. Firstly, and perhaps ironically, considering the message that Jesus is bringing right here in this text, is that Jesus taught in parables to, to sow seeds of truth into the hearers' hearts that would later blossom and bloom into fruitfulness. Friends, l- listen to this. And this is important for us to understand. Jesus did not expect the hearers, and Jesus does not expect us to grasp everything of his teaching in the exact moment. He, but he plants seeds in our hearts that will later blossom and bloom into fruitfulness. Friends, it takes just a moment to eat scraps but it takes a while to feast on the banquet of Jesus' word. And so when he teaches in parables, when we read God's word, when we listen or receive a prophetic word, it's God planting a seed of truth in our hearts and an invitation for us to lean into God, to lean into his word, so that at the right time, the fruit of God's word can blossom. Some of you here might know that uh, just a couple weeks ago, Debs and I traveled to the UK to go and minister at a gathering of churches that we partner with. And I just wanna share a story that examples Jesus planting a seed of his word that later blossoms into fruitfulness. We had no, uh, the UK was not on our radar at all for traveling to. But in December last year, we received a text, a WhatsApp message from one of the guys who leads the kind of gathering of churches in the UK, and he invited us to consider joining them for a week of ministry. I promised to pray about it, Debs and I prayed about it, and for days on end, we heard nothing. And then one night, we had this dream, or I had this dream. And this dream was of us landing or flying into Manchester Airport, which I thought was intriguing because when you think of flying to the UK, you think of flying into Heathrow. Well, anyway, we flew into Manchester Airport and then we we got off the plane and we landed at Terminal 3 in the dream and and found our way having to walk from Terminal 3 to Terminal 2 to Terminal 1 looking for our host. So... We wake up and we chat about it and we chatted with the eldership team and and there was faith in our hearts to release us to go. So I got hold of the guy in the UK and you know what he replied back? Right away he said, "That's, that's, um, that's great news, Steve. We're excited to have you. Please can you plan, because we want you to minister at a church in Liverpool, please can you plan to fly into Manchester Airport? And right away, that seed that was planted through that dream, faith began to stir in our hearts. But there was something about Trans, you know, navigating Terminal 321 that, that I knew God was wanting to speak to us about. So we took some time to lean into God, but nothing came for days on end until eventually we flew to Manchester Airport and our flight was delayed. And there was no, uh, there was no parking space, whatever the technical term is for the aeroplane. And so they had to go to use this obscure, kind of never hardly used before terminal. Terminal three, 
And we land at Terminal 3 and we get off this plane and it's a rundown terminal and we pick up my luggage and I kid you not, we are literally walking our way from Terminal 3 to Terminal 2 to Terminal 1 while we're texting and WhatsApping our host who's looking for us. And right there, again, faith, that seed of God's word sprung forth into fruitfulness and we knew God had a purpose. And so I say all that to say, what is God saying to you? What is that seed that God is planting in your hearts because he wants fruitfulness to come from it? The second thing I wanna say about parables is that they are about the kingdom of God. God is, uh, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God, God's, God's reign of love and, and life and light and goodness and grace. And that shouldn't surprise us because Jesus' teaching was summarized by Mark in chapter one, verse 14 and 15, as Jesus proclaimed the good news of God, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. If you're anything like me, I wonder if you at times perhaps get discouraged or maybe frustrated at the lack of kingdom fruitfulness that you might see in your own life, or perhaps in the city, or perhaps in our country or in countries around the world. I mean, as Peck mentioned a little earlier on, I mean, we, we, can, we can see the things that are happening in the world, like the, the horrific and atrocious and heartbreaking invasion by Russia into the Ukraine. And it breaks our heart. Or, or, or reading stories about violence that is breaking out on our city streets. Or let's bring it a little closer to home. You, you get to see the, the lack of fruitfulness that perhaps is, is evident in your heart. And sometimes we can pray and be like, God, what, why is this happening? Well, Mark chapter four gives us some encouragement as to how the kingdom of God advances. We don't, we don't have time to look at it, but, but if, if you can glance at Mark chapter four, verse 30, Jesus tells us that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's small. We, we, it, we don't necessarily see it right away, but it goes on to say, not that it might grow, but that it will grow into the largest of all plants. Friends, take courage. What you see as, as hardly, like hardly any evidence of God's kingdom, the word of God says it will grow into the largest plant. Verse 26, Jesus tells us that even though we don't know how it is gonna happen, a great harvest is coming. Sometimes we sow God's word. Sometimes we're involved in God's kingdom work and it feels like the word just lands on the pathway and it's snapped up. Or sometimes it feels like it lands on, on, on rocky ground and it doesn't take root or it's, or it's swallowed up by thorns. But the word of God teaches, friends, that as we are faithful to sow God's word, as we are faithful to teach about the kingdom of God and to proclaim to those around us that Jesus is Lord and King, as we are faithful to do that, on mission, out of relationship with Jesus, seed will fall on good soil. And there will be a kingdom harvest, a supernatural kingdom harvest, not one seed producing one plant, but one seed, somehow, miraculously, because the grace of God is on it, one seed producing 30, 60, 100 fold. Take courage, friends. God is at work, even though we might not see or understand. 
And so I, I wanna just again remind us or ask you, what is that promise that God has given you? What is that word that God has sown in your hearts? Maybe today through worship, or maybe something that God has been speaking to you in this season. This is a time for us to, to lean in and to listen well. And so what I wanna do is to bring this into land. I, I wanna just talk about four things from this text that I think we can, we can learn from so that we can be those that are leaning into God's word, listening well to the voice of the Holy Spirit because we wanna see fruitfulness in our hearts. And yes, you guessed it, they are four words that start with the same letter. Seed, Satan, soil, and surrender. Seed, Satan, soil, and surrender. Friends, I, I, wanna, I wanna encourage you, I wanna encourage you to not be discouraged. I know that sounds funny, but I wanna encourage you, no, no matter the fruitfulness that you might see in your heart or life right now, no matter the, the, the hold that you think an addiction might have on you, no matter the, the cycle of sin that you, you don't seem to be able to break free from, no matter how uh, uh, um, loathsome your own thoughts are of yourself, I wanna tell you that the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God is able and has the power to break into our hearts and to produce kingdom fruitfulness. Let that be a word that you receive. Even if you don't understand it fully, it is the truth of what God's word says. I'm not an agronomist, I'm not a gardener by any means, but, but I know, think about the power of a single seed. One acorn has the power and potential to fill the entire planet with oak trees. And that power is released when that seed is planted deep into the soil. Friends, the, the, the three examples where there was no fruitfulness was a depth issue. The seed just planted, kind of scattered on hard pathways, or, or the seed scattered amongst rocks, or, or some seed going only as deep as the thorns and thistles. But it's the seed that went deep into the soil that produced fruitfulness. So let me ask you this. What truth, what gospel truth, what aspect of the gospel is God right now pushing deep into your heart to grasp. Because change doesn't happen mechanically. There's a, imagine a pile of bricks. Change can come to that pile of bricks by us picking up bricks and exhaustively trying to add to it. Change comes that way. But that's not how the kingdom of God works. That's like saying, I'm going to obey, therefore God owes me. Or therefore God will love me. Change does not come that way. Change comes when we allow the truth of the gospel to go deep into our hearts. And the kingdom power is released because Jesus died on the cross. Jesus gave up his life and was as a seed and was miraculously raised to life by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament spoke often of, of, of examples like Jesus has fire and Jesus has sword and Jesus has a hammer. But friends, Jesus came as the ultimate seed. He died. He gave up everything and then was raised to life in glory by the power of the Holy Spirit. And friends, by faith, 
We are in him. That's how change happens. That's how fruitfulness happens. There's a remarkable account in Galatians chapter two where where Paul rebukes Peter because he's showing favoritism to the Jews over the Galatians. Peter was being a racist. And what does Paul do? He doesn't rebuke him. You are being a racist, you need to stop. You know what he says, Galatians chapter two? He essentially says, the gospel has not gone deep enough in your heart. That's how change happens when we allow the seed of the gospel to go deep into our hearts to bring about change. Secondly, that was seed. Secondly, Satan. I don't wanna spend too much time on this, but the parable makes it very clear that Satan comes to snatch away the seed that has been sown. I wanna say this just very quickly, and I wanna say it with the, with the intensity that this truth requires. Every time, every time we gather in a place where God's word is preached, where God's word is sung, where God's word is prophesied, where God's word is unpacked or explained or prayed or discussed, Satan and demons are at work to try to undermine or distort or dilute or diminish its impact or distract us or divert our focus from the truth of God's word. And some of you might be sitting there thinking, what planet are you from? Friends, it is truth. Even now, there are demons at work trying to distract us from the truth of God's word. And I'm not saying that to worry us, but I'm saying to that because we need to be alert and guard our hearts against the enemy coming to snatch away the truth of God's word. As we worship today, and I, and I do this too. This is not me standing here in any way saying you need to get this, this is me too. There are times when I worry about what, what is waiting for me tomorrow or what's just happened in the week gone past instead of focusing my attention on the truth of God's word. If, you've, if you're married or have children, those fights that we tend to have on the way to church while we're in the car, it never happens. Nana, teach me, master. <laughs> I wanna know how that happens. (laughs) Those are the distractions that come, friends. And I say this to say, friends, let's be alert, as Peter says, because the enemy is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. So keep your guard. Guard your hearts, guard your minds, so that we can receive the fullness of God's word. Thirdly, Soil. Again, I just want you to focus for a moment on that word that you felt God is saying to you, that truth that you feel that God is speaking into your heart. Are you seeing that truth producing 30, 60, 100 fold? Probably not. Probably not. It doesn't mean that your heart is not open to the gospel. It doesn't mean that your heart is is hardened to the truth of God's word, but let's be honest, friends, there are areas in our lives where our hearts are hardened to truth. And if we, when when we are willing to swallow our pride and acknowledge that, that's when God can begin to work. And so let me ask you this, in the context of what you believe God is saying to you, is, your, is the soil of your heart hard? As verse 14 and 15 
ask. How would you know? How would we know? Let me ask you this. When you open the word to study or to, to kind of receive from God in the context of what you're working through, when you open the word, does the word open you? When you open the word, does the word open you? Does the word of God begin to teach you about, about God and about, uh, about you and about the situation that you're facing? Is your heart hard? Secondly, is the soil of your heart perhaps shallow? As verse 16 and 17 tell us, how, how would we know? Well, we, we know this. Do we, do we refer to Jesus as blesser or as Lord and Savior that we need to surrender to? Are we asking God to come in and to, 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 to bless me in this situation or am I saying, Jesus, I wanna follow you in and through this situation? Thirdly, is the soil of your heart perhaps diverted or crowded as verse 18 and 19 ask? Are, you, are we distraction prone? Where truly, where honestly does our trust lie? Or, as verse 20 tells us, is the soil of your heart open and responsive? No matter the state of your heart, as you respond to God's word, whether it's hard or shallow or diverted or open, I believe the response to in, in each of those situations, no matter what the condition of the soil of our heart is, is the same. Which brings me to the last point, surrender. Surrender. And I think sometimes when we hear the word surrender, we think that's such a passive thing to do. Surrender. Friends, there is nothing more countercultural than surrendering to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There is nothing more aggressive and violent in the context of, of pushing back the forces of darkness than being willing to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If you're anything like me, you, you want control. We all want control. We all want to know the guaranteed outcome. But when we surrender our hearts, we are dying to ourselves so that the truth of Jesus and we can be resurrected in his power. We can't control that. We want to be followers of Jesus without a cross. And there's no such thing as followers of Jesus without a cross, just as there's no such thing as Christ without a cross. Jesus went to the cross and laid down his life. And we are called to lay down our lives so that we can be resurrected in the power of God. The word of God won't do anything to us without doing without doing it with us. We need to partner with God. We need to listen to what he's saying and lean into him and the truth of his word. So cultivate the soil of your heart. Prepare your, the soil of your heart every time you know you are going into a context where the word is about to be preached. Can I, can I say, friends, not legalistically, but come early on a Sunday so that you're not rushed as we're about to start the first song. The word of God is preached the moment Aiden or the worship team strung that, strum that first note. There, there, is, there is gospel truth declared as we worship. Did you not feel it today? Did you not sense it today? Aiden and the team were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ through song. And I wanna encourage us, let's be ready to receive that. Cultivate the soil of your heart by, by revising and going over what was taught. 
That's why life groups are so essential. Because we get together and we come with, with hearts, with seeds planted ready to cultivate the soil of your heart. Secondly, sow seed regularly into your heart. Put yourself in a place where God's word is constantly being sowed. And then lastly, as verse 20 tells us, accept the word. Look at verse 20. Others, like seed sown on God's soil, hear the word, accept it or embrace it, and it produces a crop. Pray it, the word of God. Open your heart and enjoy the truth of God's word. Submit to it and put it into practice. Apply it in some way and share it with others. The word of God won't do anything to us without doing it it with us. Aiden, I wonder if you wouldn't mind coming up. I want us to take a Selah moment and to just reflect and respond before we close today's meeting. God has, I trust, spoken to us so clearly through the worship and perhaps through the sermon. But I think we would be missing a a moment if we just went off and drank coffee and enjoyed the, the rest of the day. I wanna invite us to just to take two or three minutes to to come before the Lord quietly with surrendered hearts and just allow Him to speak. I wonder if you wouldn't mind closing your eyes just, just for a moment. I mentioned that I think the challenge that so many of us face is this need or this desire to to have control, to have an idea of a guaranteed outcome when God speaks. To want to know not just the journey, but the outcome of the journey. And and maybe God, as I say, has been speaking to you this morning. Maybe God is, is just reminding you of things that He is saying to you in this season. And maybe some of the resistance in your heart, and I know this is true for me, and I'm not just saying this, this is true for me is that I want the guarantee of of an outcome. When Jesus is asking us to lay down our lives and to trust Him. I said this today, but it's in dying to ourselves that the truth of God and the truth of the gospel is resurrected within us. 2 Corinthians 12, I think it is, tells us that in our weakness, the, pa- the, per- the perfect, the power of God is made perfect. You might think surrendering and laying down hopes, dreams, desires is something of weakness. Yes, that's where God wants us to be. And so Lord, I, I wanna pray over each of us today. I, I wanna pray, Lord God, that, that, that those things that you, those seeds that you are dropping into our hearts, Lord God, would you help us to, to cultivate the soil of our hearts, to, to prepare as we partner with you, Holy Spirit, soil that will not just receive, but ensure that seeds take root and produce supernatural fruit. 
Lord, I, I pray you would give us the courage to surrender to you and to allow those truths to go deep into our hearts. The truth of the gospel. Lord, thank you that you're not calling us to impress you. You're not calling us to, to work with our own hands to, to make this happen, but, but you're calling us to lay down the tools of our own self-effort so that we can pick up what you have already made available to us in Jesus. Perhaps we can say today, Lord God, that we trust you despite not knowing the outcome. But Lord, we know as we sang today that it, would be, it will be good. That you work all things for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose.